This morning we're going to hear from some folks who traveled to Nicaragua a couple weeks ago, and um, they're going to share some of their stories. But first, before that, we're going to memorize, we are, the scripture verse that framed our trip. A few weeks before we left, we began spending time with this passage. Uh, We gathered for Bible study throughout the, the trip together to reflect on this passage and this chapter. And so now I'd like to bring some of that back with me and share that with you. So uh, we're going to memorize it together, okay? Um, Lindsay has already said that when we listen to the words of Jesus in the Bible, it familiarizes us with his voice. And you'll hear in this passage also um, a desire that Jesus has for his words to abide in us. And so as we memorize them, what are they doing? They're taking up residence and living within us. So here we go. You can join me. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. You say that with me? I am the vine, you are the branches. You have some overachievers in the group. (laughs) It's awesome. Uh, So I'm the vine, you're the branches. Here's the next part. If you abide in me and I abide in you. Can you say that? If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's see if we can do the whole thing together. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Now I'm going to ask Jonathan and Kenneth and Joy to come forward and come up here with me. And they're going to share just a little bit of their experience. And then I'll share some of mine. Why don't we say welcome to them? Yes. (laughs) And we're going, we're going, well, we'll start with the youngest. Um, And so it is a great privilege for me to be able to introduce you um, again to to Jonathan, who uh, was a great gift to us on our trip. This morning I shared at the nine o'clock service that in Nicaragua, there's a convenience store called El Gallo Mas Gallo. Anybody know what gallo means in Spanish? It means, means rooster. So that El Gallo Mas Gallo means something like the most roosteriest rooster. <laughs> and by way of a slight comparison, I think that Jonathan is like the most boyest of all the boys. <laughs> Uh, when, when we were there, he brought so much energy and joy to our trip. Um, he was happy. He was excited. He was always playing, and he was interacting and engaging with folks. The language barrier meant nothing to him. If there was a ball, we can play. Um, when we got finally to the camp where we stayed, the last two days of our trip, which was up in the mountains, this beautiful place, Jonathan hops off the bus, first one off the bus, and says, Wow, it's like a paradise, was his take on it. And there were soccer fields and basketball courts and rocks, and 
we were going up and down the hill, huffing and puffing, and Jonathan's running and hopping and skipping and leaping off rocks and just having the best time. And yet he also had this ability when it was time to be still and to listen. He was right there. And so he, he added so much, and I'm glad that he's willing to share with you guys this morning some of what he experienced. So let's say welcome to Jonathan. This is something I want to share with everybody. Really loud as you can. <laughs> um, when I went to Nicaragua, this is, it was really fun because it helped me connect with God in many ways and make new friendships. I made a friend when I was in Nicaragua and we would play soccer together and it was really cool how you could see God working in his life when he would play. and. I got to stay in somebody's home with somebody, and it was also cool because I got to cook with them and learn how to make food. And I met somebody from a different church that also helped me. And when we were in Nicaragua, we talked about the verse, John 15, 5, and it helped me let God into my life. And it was cool to see God working in everybody when we were in Nicaragua. And also, uh, Kenneth is going to share with us. And uh, Kenneth was a gift on the trip because, you know, I'm walking around in this place where I don't know anyone, don't know the language. We're kind of walking the streets and going through the barrios, the neighborhoods there. And, you know, you're kind of looking around, checking, making sure things are okay. And sometimes I would sort of hide behind Kenneth because he is a wrestler. <laughs> and, uh, he, he, you know, he beats up almost pretty much every kid uh, in his weight class in North Carolina uh, he can take. So uh, it was good to be with him on the trip. Um, he was also helpful when we did uh, some of our, our manual labor type projects. And I had the privilege of staying with Kenneth at our homestay. So during the course of our trip, at a certain point, like Jonathan was saying, uh, we broke up into pairs and would stay with a Nicaraguan family. And Jonathan learned to cook there, but Kenneth and I learned to play some music there and, uh, and enjoyed our time together. And it was a gift for me to be able uh, to, to be his homestay partner when we stayed with, uh, with Jara and her family. So uh, would you welcome Kenneth? This morning. Two weeks ago, I was lucky enough to go to Nicaragua, and I had many amazing experiences. Some of the, some of the experiences changed the way I live my life, and all of that happened because of God. And while I was there, I felt like I saw Him in many different ways. When I first got there, I started doubting the second we got off the plane, and it was 90 degrees outside. <laughs> But I decided to just trust the process, so I just tried to keep a positive attitude. When I got on the bus, I met some very kind people who helped lead us through the whole trip. I felt like God was in each one of them because they were guiding me. The bus ride was very peaceful because I slept most of the ride. <laughs> but there were times when I would wake up and see the coolest volcanoes or see the poorest towns. But I saw God in both. 
I saw him in the beauty of the nature, and I saw him in the people that were still happy, even though they lived in the worst conditions. Once we got to our first destination, there was a big party for us, and that was pretty awkward because I didn't even speak the same language as them, but they were acting so kind and loving like they knew me my whole life. I felt This felt pretty strange to me, but I tried to keep a smile on my face. I was also happy I got Wi-Fi. <laughs> that night, I had my first meal in Nicaragua. It was good. We only stayed at that hotel for one night, which made me kind of sad because that, because that was the last night I would have Wi-Fi. <laughs> the next night, we did the homestead. In my heart, I was very against the homestead because that's kind of weird. But again, I just trusted in God and hoped that it would be fine, which it was. We stayed in a home that wasn't very nice but had the essentials. Our host was very kind, and she was also a very good cook. The next day, we headed to Vitahoven with some of the most caring people I've ever met. Once we got to Vitahoven, I was surprised by how beautiful it was. It felt like a completely different country compared to the rest of Nicaragua. While I was at Vitahoven, I enjoyed every part of being there. Even though the work wasn't fun, I felt like I was working with a purpose. During the few days at Vitahoven, I saw God in everything from all the people to all the nature. But one of my favorite memories was the labyrinth. During the labyrinth, I felt very peaceful and close to God. The next few days went by really fast, but I was excited to get home. The trip was really fun and I learned a lot. And I'm thankful also for, for Joy's participation on the, on the trip. And one of the things that um, she brought to all of us, uh, there were six from Newland, seven from Arborddale and Banner Elk, and then two from Banner Elk Christian Fellowship. But one thing that Joy is very good at, both here at home and also on our trip, was being present where she is and with the people she encounters. And I remember at one point, uh, first morning, we were doing some prayer walks and going through neighborhoods, and we are going to take a break. And for the break, we were going to go into a church that was about 100 yards from Bianca's house, where we, had just, where we had just been. And so I was, you know, trying to look. I was concerned about getting in through the gate, which was locked, and somebody was getting the key, and I was curious about what the church was going to look like. I was looking to the next thing, and I turned around, and I don't know, 10 or 15 yards behind me, uh, there's Joy sitting in the dirt with three kids, who were Nicaraguan kids, who were playing a game, sort of like jacks. They were bouncing a ball and scooping something up. And at this particular moment, they were all looking at Joy and had the biggest smiles on their faces. And she was smiling at them. It was this point of connection. She was there with them. And she brought that kind of connectivity, both to the people we met, but also to those of us who were on the trip together. And it was a good reminder that we don't always have to be on to the next thing but we can be and receive the gift of what God's doing with us. So I'm thankful for that and thankful for Joy being willing to share with us this morning. I saw God and the people that met us in Nicaragua as well as the team that we went with from Avery County. Vivid moments stand out like driving up 
to the hotel in Estelle and being greeted, like Kenneth said, with horns, whistles, welcome music, cheering, and hugs, the Vito Hoven leaders had gone ahead of us making detailed preparations for our long-awaited arrival. They were strangers at the start, but quickly became admirable friends as the week unfolded. On Monday evening, when we arrived, they were beautifully adorned, dancing in traditional Nicaraguan attire and setting the stage for our week together. They broke down barriers gently with smiles and invitations to join them both in the festivities as well as the desire to share their love and walk with Christ with others. And I'll put a little plug here. On Wednesday night, we'll show a video, and you'll get to see Pastor Michael dancing with the Vita Hoven leaders as well as Chip is right in the middle of all of it, of course. So come Wednesday night to our family dinner because you'll get to see um, some footage of that live. <coughs> Tuesday morning, we got to see through the glass a bit more clearly as we were divided among them to walk the streets of their neighborhood, their homes. Alanis led us to her front door, which a little girl peeked through the window and a friendly little Benji dog looked out on his foreign visitors through a barred screen door. This was a very meaningful part of the trip for me. As Alana, 16 years old, shared her story, I felt invited into a sharing of her experience. I was able to imagine just a bit her, of her daily life, her home, her leadership, and her responsibilities with Vita Hoven, her family, her friends, and her disciples. She had waited two years before she was able to attend a Vita Hoven camp. The next year, she went again and soon became involved in leadership. She was given the opportunity to babysit for the teen mom's camp. Now she is leading a club and praying for a space to meet together there in Estelle in her neighborhood with the children that she has invited in. I was taken with her maturity and her courage to share with our group as well as her dependability as a leader in Vita Hoven. The trip in every way was a provision for me. From the passports to the process of getting them to getting the three kids packed and myself, all the things in place. Um, sometimes a hot mess, other times came together smoothly. Those kinds of ways that can't be measured but are truly invaluable. Seeing my kids dance with other kids, share Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, and all the other forms of, of social media that kids in Nicaragua use, just like our kids here, to pray with them and to pray for them, to stumble over second language barriers, to laugh and to play soccer together, um, and to see these other kids, their own age, have an experience with and love of Christ, um, and also growing in their love of Christ. For me to see that was an absolute joy. Being a first-hand witness to our team's desire to participate in the life of Vita Hoven also stood out to me. Throughout the week, we would share together on our scripture verse, John 15, 5, each sharing honestly and help me grow in my own awareness and um, my eagerness to be quick to doing something without necessarily abiding, without necessarily asking God have mercy or God help me. Um, and so I took those away from our groups sharing with one another. Um, I can, I think sometimes that I can without abiding. This is just an, a fading attempt, not life-giving to the others or to my own true living. Having seen others step back when they could probably get the job done undistracted without others' interference was a living example of this kind of abiding. And I saw that in the Vita Hoven staff as we got to work alongside them, and they were very patient in teaching us what to do and what not to do in a second language when they could probably get it done even quicker. Uh, the trip was a gift in so many ways, and I'm very grateful I got to go.
Let's pray. Let's pray for them. Uh, Lord Jesus, we praise you that you are the vine and we are the branches. We thank you for this call to abide in you and the gift that is you abiding in us. I thank you, Lord, for those whom you sent from this congregation to participate in this trip, for Joy and Kenneth and Jonathan, and also for Lydia and for Chip. And we pray that you would continue to nurture and water those seeds which you planted in that place that all together uh, we might indeed bear much fruit to your glory and for your kingdom. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Right. Thank you. (laughs) Now I'd like to share just a little bit uh, of my experience as well. Uh, focusing on this scripture, which you now have memorized. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, Last Sunday, some of you saw me stumbling in, um, having had like two and a half hours sleep in the last 30 plus hours, and having just made it back into the country and back home early, early Sunday morning. Um, we spent that time, you know, uh, loving, serving, trying to be available for what God had for us. Uh, but I discovered even in my sleepiness that God had something still yet to say. We'd spent a week away from home on the other side of the world, it seemed, trying to abide. And then I got home. And the first thing that I hear is Wally, as he's preaching and reading the scripture, typical scripture following Easter, the story of Jesus, the risen Christ, walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They don't yet see him. Their eyes are are shielded from his identity. And yet he opens to them the law and the prophets and speaks to them about how the Messiah must suffer and die and then be raised up. And they get all the way to their destination, their hearts burning within them. And Jesus, while he reading from the King James Version, said, made, made an emphasis on how they, Jesus made as if to tarry on. There's question as to whether this meant he was going to keep going or if he really wanted to tarry with them and be with them. But it was the next words that got my attention. The disciples, seeing that Jesus intended to tarry on, said, abide with us. Did you catch that word? Yeah, I did too. After hearing it all week long, abide in me. If, I, if you abide in me and I abide in you and I come home from the other side of the world, and guess what? The call was still the same. It's called to abide. Now, our goal for the trip, indeed, in keeping with the passage, was to bear, hopefully, much fruit But it also came with the caution that apart from Jesus, we could do nothing. And so the primary step, the first step, the consistent step to bearing much fruit is always the same. It's this call to abide. And so I wanted to share with you a couple ways that I feel like we abided as we went on this trip. And then I'd like to share an example or two of how I saw Jesus abiding with us. So first, prayer. Prayer. Is how we sought to abide. That's not fancy. It's not maybe surprising. 
But we prayed before the trip and we prayed a lot during the trip. Every morning we would get up, many of us at 5.30, early, early in the morning. I was not part of the 5.30 crowd. <clears throat> but many folks would come back and tell me how wonderful their devotion had been that morning. And they got to see the sun come up in Nicaragua and it was this time of peace and tranquility this incredible way to start a new day. And I was still struggling, rubbing the sleep out of my eyes, sometimes having completed my devotion too. So we woke up and began the day in prayer. And then we would come and gather for breakfast and we'd all hold hands, Americans and Nicaraguans together in a circle, and we would pray before breakfast and ask God's blessing on the day. We'd go out to work for a few hours. We'd come back and have lunch and we'd hold hands and gather in a circle. Prayers offered in Spanish or English. That's the one thing we didn't translate. Because the Lord knew what we were saying. We'd spend an afternoon engaged in some activity or work. And we'd come back for supper. And there again, we'd hold hands and we would pray. Uh, table blessings have long been a central focus uh, and, and activity of reformed piety. We all have to eat, Right? And we're reminded of our need to eat a lot during the day. I, I even snack sometimes between meals. You know, we need food. But in the same way, we need God even more than we need food. And so when we, pray, when we are reminded that we're hungry, we also are reminded of our need for God and we pray. Now, what was interesting is that we pray at breakfast and then we'd eat breakfast, and then we'd pray before we went out to do our work. And the first couple days, our primary work was, you guessed it, prayer walks. We prayed more in this trip than I'm used to praying in a given week. We were abiding. And so as we walked the barrios and the neighborhoods, we did a few different things uh, and prayed in a few different ways. I'll share about that in a minute. But then we'd take a break. And that place where I saw Joy playing with the kids, well, what we did for our break is we went to a church and we went into the church and we prayed. And that was actually one of the greatest gifts of my trip was that, uh, that experience in the chapel. So we prayed consistently uh, throughout this trip. We prayed at lunch after someone would share their testimony. We'd all pray and then we'd eat and then someone from Nicaragua would share the story of how they met Jesus and what difference Christ had made in their life and what he, they felt like Jesus was calling them to in the next months and weeks ahead. And after that, one of the Americans would pray for one of the Nicaraguans and vice versa. Someone from our group would offer and share their testimony, and then one of the Nicaraguans would pray for us. The whole trip itself was clothed in prayer. We prayed for one another. We prayed for Alanis, and we prayed for Bianca, and Neko, and Uriel, and Marlene, and Rosa, and we prayed for Douglas as they shared their stories with us. We prayed at night, after supper, singing around a bonfire. We prayed at night, like Kenneth said, on top of the mountain, holding a scripture, passage of scripture in our hands, moving through a labyrinth with the wind in our face and the starry sky over our heads. If you've never seen the Milky Way on top of a mountain in Nicaragua with the Milky Way uh, in full display, then if you had not done that yet, you should go. Next, next year, Jonathan's ready to go back. So if you want to go with Jonathan, 
Here's your chance. We prayed morning, noon, and night. And in this, we discovered that we were abiding in Christ. It's, it actually wasn't that hard or complicated. But there it was. We also served, which is a big part of the focus of our trip. We get, first of all, we gathered up all the gifts that you gathered together and with which you sent us. We felt like we were um, traveling with Paul, as he does so often in the book of Acts through the New Testament. Uh, gathering gifts from a congregation and taking them on his missionary journeys and then sharing them with the folks he went to see, that they might receive a mutual blessing in turn. So we gathered up some of the funds which we raised, go specifically to support Vita Hoven and the Young Life Ministry there. And so we shared that with others. That which you gave to us, we took and shared with your brothers and sisters in that place. We took money. But we also joined in their labors, meeting kids, walking through neighborhoods. We circled the high school, about a thousand student high school, um, in, a, in a center block with walls around all four sides. We prayed as we walked around the high school in this neighborhood in which Alanis was hoping to connect with kids her own age and share Jesus with them. We learned that drugs and alcohol were particularly difficult challenges for the kids in that place, her peers, really. And so as we prayed for them, we also heard their voices as they sat down for lunch together on the other side of that wall. We prayed for life and light to abound for them. Uh, we also prayed for spaces to open up where they could have a club meeting. It's one of the main focuses. They'll inter gather kids, and then they want to have a place where they can meet together once a week. And so we, we were praying for that. It's really challenging to me um, how these teenagers in Nicaragua approach what they feel like God is calling them to next. I have lots of ideas you all have tons of ideas, you share them with me, for ways that our church can grow and meet our community and meet one another's needs and care and fellowship and Bible study and the list goes on and on. But so often I just say, well, this sounds like the best idea of all of those. Let's try that. But what did those kids do? They just go out and start praying for God to provide what they need. It's a very different starting point, isn't it? And so we're out praying for a space. One of the spaces that they were identifying as a possibility was a preschool. And as we prayed for this preschool, we prayed in part that the kids who were going there every day would have a different future than the one they saw directly across the street, which was full of houses of, of ill repute, might we say. And we prayed that they would have a different future than the one they saw in front of them. We joined in that work and in that ministry with them and served, I hope, in a positive way. Um, on a basic level, we carried each other's bags. You know, we carried bags a lot and we shared that, that burden. We listened to one another's stories on this trip. We washed every day each other's dishes. We dug holes for fence posts and we mixed concrete and we pushed wheelbarrows up and down the hill and we mended fences. We sanded and painted and built bunk beds, and we covered a baseball field backstop and bleacher with a new coat of paint, and we worked hard to communicate in another language, and we sought to be good guests. We served, 
and found that in this we were abiding in Christ, who calls us to serve one another. Um, there's a million other things I would love to share, and maybe some of those will come out over time, but I would also like to point out that in, just as much as Jesus calls us to abide in Him, He also desires to abide in us. And so I want to tell you just the story of one afternoon when Kenneth and I had our homestay and stayed in Jara's house. Um, as we divided up and paired up and went off to our respective homes, uh, we were going to stay in the home of Jara, who was 15. She was at school. Her sister was there, but she kind of kept to herself. She welcomed us warmly and offered us some great food, like Kenneth said. He was really particularly interested in the food on this trip, I noticed. <laughs> Um, but I, I enjoyed it too. So they gave us some food, and then we just sort of found ourselves left to our own devices. Um, we listened to some music together. Uh, Kenneth would share a song with me, and I'd share a song with him, and my songs were a lot older than his songs. We did that for a while, and then Neko showed up, a kid who, whom we met who shared his testimony. Uh, he had attempted suicide a number of times and still yet had plans and described how God had intervened miraculously in his life and then eventually led him to camp where he gave his life to Christ and now he's leading a ministry and has a heart for kids, especially who face depression and difficult home situations. And he is in his teens. So Neko's there. He shows up. And he brings his guitar with him. His English is pretty bad, non-existent. My Spanish is pretty bad, if not non-existent. But we all spoke music. And so here we are. He teaches us some chords. I know a few chords, so I could follow along. And then Kenneth can play stringed instruments really well. And so he picked up the, the fingerings of the chords really quickly. And then he taught us the song, and he was gracious enough to teach us the English version. And we sang one of those songs called Yeshua at the 9 o'clock service this morning. We sang together, played guitar together, listened to music together, bonded in that way. It was a point of communication for us, point of connection. And then he needed to practice because he was playing music for the club event, which was going to be held in the same house where we were staying. And so as he was practicing, and after we ate a good supper, a number of kids started coming in, two or three at a time, four or five at a time, and suddenly the whole place was filled and they had these huge speakers standing up and they turned them up just about as loud as they would possibly go. And the kids were connecting and they started dancing spontaneously and the Nicaraguan kids and the American kids were getting to know each other and laughing and smiling and couldn't understand words, but there we were, connected over music, over a song. And then the club disbanded and everybody went home except for a few kids who were there. And Kenneth and I went back to our room and we're getting ready for bed. We had some, the, the music was going outside. I said, hey, before we go to bed, why don't we listen to my devotion, devotional app I have on my phone, Lectio 365. And I don't know about you guys, but when I feel, in the course of my life, when I felt like God was speaking to me, wanted to communicate something to me, I, I'll typically get sort of the same message over and over again from 
different places that are disconnected and, and unexpected. There's no way this could have been planned. And so we lie down, listen to the devotion, and every one of these devotions has a refrain. It's different every week, every day. And the refrain for this devotion, which is just read over and over again throughout the course of the readings, is this. It's from Psalm 42. By day, the Lord directs His love. And at night, His song is with me. I just spent my whole day connecting with other people over songs and music, which is not something I ever do. But I spent the day doing that with Kenneth, with the kids at club, with Neko. And now our devotion opens up with this. By day the Lord directs His love. At night His song is with me. The music had all been turned off. All the songs of the day had, were passed. And now the Lord tells us, it's time for me to sing over you. It was a great gift. But the Lord wasn't done. The, the devotion continued. Now, keep in mind that though Kenneth is a great wrestler, we were in a strange place, in a strange home. This is the two of us. I, I do feel a bit of responsibility there. I was looking around, you know, okay. Got some scenarios going just in case. Our door doesn't lock. What is that? You know, so running all those parts through my head. Wasn't hiding behind Kenneth at that point. <laughs> and then we come to this in the devotion from Psalm 4. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. It's like all the themes of my day are coming together in this one moment. Reminded, you know, we're in a place very far from home which doesn't feel the safest. And I'm not at peace. And here the Lord just tells me, you can lie down in peace, for I'm the one who causes you to dwell in safety. But God wasn't done. The devotion ends with a verse from a hymn. I wonder, given that you have memorized our passage this morning already, if you can think of the one word with which this verse starts and which is the theme throughout the whole of it. Any guesses? Abide. Here it is. Abide with me. Fast falls the even tide. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, O oh, abide with me. We went halfway around the world trying to abide with Jesus so that we could bear fruit for Him. And we discovered in so many ways that the Lord Jesus also wanted to abide with us. He wanted to speak to us and for His words to take up residence in our lives. And then we came home. And we found out that the same thing is true here. And now it's our turn. As the Lord seeks to tarry on on a Sunday, the day of the resurrection today, 
to speak those words aloud to him. O Lord, abide with us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.